Grace and peace to you from God our Father and from our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. Can you guys see what's on the TV monitor up there? Yeah. What, what, what's, what, what do I have up there? You, you don't need to raise your hand. Just shout it out. A cross. How many of you like have a necklace that's a cross? Some of the, yeah. Some of the, yeah, that's awesome, right? It's just cool. It, it, it's special for you. So why is a cross special? Go ahead. Just shout it out. It's Pastor Tim, not, yeah, we're good. So I heard died on the cross, I heard Jesus, I heard that whole story. How many of you know that whole story of Jesus dying on the cross? How many of you know it not just since fourth grade, but like for a long time? Yeah, that's pretty good. You know, that's at the heart, the core, center of what we teach and who we are. People say, well, you know, we got this, we got that, and your church does this, you believe this, you believe that. At the end of the day, what we believe is the, the cross at the core and the center of your life. We're not a perfect church, and uh, I'm not a perfect pastor. Uh, sometimes I think I get worse instead of better the older I get. You know, I should know better some of the things. But at the heart and the core and the center of who we are and what we do at St. John's Lutheran Church is the cross of Jesus Christ. And what happens in the life of a church is that we get kind of drug off of that mission. I look at my list of things to do, and every Monday I come in my office from about 7.30, 7.45 to 8.30 before my big staff devotion. I make my list of stuff I got to do, and truth be known, I put stuff on there that I've already done. So I got a few X-offs before 9 o'clock. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's cool. Good, 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 right? Like, make your list. I <laughs> did that, right? But the most important thing that... Mrs. Lewis, Mrs. Fink, Mrs. Mourner, Dr. Hollitz, myself, Vicar Micah, Pastor Trevor, our whole congregation does is lead people to the cross of Christ. That's our mission. That's our focus. And we dress that up in any sort of way. But the reality that a fourth grader can tell you Christology and the story of Jesus tells you something about our congregation and our congregational life. Now I'm going to come back. In about 45 minutes when I'm halfway done with my sermon, I'm coming back. <laughs> but I think about that, right? What, what does it need to be a perfect church? I'd love to have a perfect church. I'd love to have a church that never screwed up anything ever. And I'd like to be the pastor that was always prepared, always fired up, always good to go. That every Sunday y'all came out and go, oh my gosh, pastor, every PowerPoint slide was perfect. I heard the angel speaking from my shoulder as you preach the pure gospel of Jesus Christ and I am ready to incorporate into every nook and cranny of my life everything that you preached on today. That doesn't ever happen. But, but my job is to point you to Jesus, right? And in our warts and in our blemishes as a congregation, still the cross of Christ shines through. And as we look this week at the church in Corinth, it, it, it's amazing. If there was ever going to be a perfect church, this was it. They had money, they had position, they had St. Paul for 18 months. St. Paul, who saw Jesus Christ, hung out with the Lord Almighty. And then when Paul leaves, they're like, yeah, we're going to kind of do some things different than Jesus said and you said, Paul. Corinth must have been a bustling, marvelous place to live. 
I think of Corinth as kind of like Orange County. And we live in a great place. I love living here. Sometimes I pay that property tax and I go, oh. My family and I, this last June, we went on a trip to Maui celebrating uh, my doctor ministry degree and 35 years of marriage for Barb and I. And even landing in Long Beach Airport, I, I stopped and looked around and I breathed in. After two weeks in Maui, I breathed in the Southern California air and I nodded to myself on the jet walk. I go, this is pretty good. We are blessed. We live in a great place, in a good time, in a rich time to be alive. Corinth and Orange County. Corinth and Orange County had wealth and commerce. Corinth was a crossroads in the Mediterranean. If you were going to get goods up into Europe, you could drop them off in Corinth. If you were going to receive goods and take them to Alexandria or Caesarea or wherever around the, the Mediterranean, you were going to take them out of the port in, in Corinth. And so the culture of Corinth reflected a culture of diversity, much like ours here in Orange County. It said that Corinth had the best of Rome, which was the roads, the commerce, the, the army, the, 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 the culture of Rome, which was big and tough and robust. But it also had pieces of that Greek culture, of Roman and Greek religion. There were 12 pagan temples in Corinth. And if you think that our church is a little crazy, you should have headed to the temple of Aphrodite, the goddess of love. And were there not fourth graders in church this morning, maybe I could explain a little more of that to you, but suffice it to say, it makes your basic immorality of the 21st century look like not much. The people in Corinth considered themselves spiritual, not Christian necessarily, but spiritual and philosophical, tied to deep thinking. A little bit like us, right? In a big city, you get the culture and the diversity of the culture that comes with it. But it's a big city and a little church. And so the little church and the culture kind of went at it. And as soon as Paul left, they started getting after each other. Well, I follow Paul, and I follow this other guy, and I follow Peter, and I follow Apollos, and, and we're going to have our little small groups based on our favorite pastor. And Paul said, no, 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 no. The new Christians had a tough time shaking the immorality of the culture of Corinth. A man having an in, inappropriate relationship was called out in 1 Corinthians and by the time 2 Corinthians was written, they straightened it out. But even more, they had started moving away from the cross, from the essence of Christianity. And so Paul calls them out. What do you want? What do you want from a connection to church? What, what are you looking for? If you brought your child or grandchild in, you, you wanted some of that good old Lutheran education. You wanted structure, and you wanted spelling. And people, you know what else they want? Phonics. And so we give phonics. But we start every day with about 45 minutes of what we call Christian learning. Some people don't care for the Christian learning, and so they say, well, you know, for all that tuition, band, we're we got chapel and we got all this stuff. It's kind of a lot of money. We're throwing five hours a week away on religion. Right. That's who we are. 
because the cross is at the core and the center of everything we do as a congregation. Some participate in the church life to, 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 to connect to education. Some participate in the life of the church to calm a, a, a spiritual yearning. Still others try to connect to a church and to the mission of the church for, for other reasons, some which are personal and some which are kind of more corporate, like I've got to come to church today because my wife and we're all good and then we'll get donuts and it'll be fine. And... But at the church itself, Our calling is to hang on to the cross of Christ. Paul wrote to the Corinthians, I speak to you today, the cutest lector in the history of St. John's just read from uh, from 2 Corinthians for you, and this is a little piece from 1 Corinthians 1, 21 through 25. Jews demand signs and Greeks look for wisdom, but we preached Christ crucified, a stumbling block to Jews and foolishness to Gentiles, But to those whom God has called, both Jews and Greeks, Christ, the power of God and the wisdom of God. For the foolishness of God is wiser than human wisdom, and the weakness of God is stronger than human strength. He doesn't have a new philosophy that he coins for them. He leads them back to the cross of Jesus. The Jewish believers wanted a few more signs. Paul, come and heal a few more people. Send Apollos. He's a better preacher than you, Paul. Do something. But Paul speaks the cross of Christ. Because that cross is what the church and Christians in Corinth and Orange County and St. John's Orange are tethered to. We are moored to the cross of Christ. And without that, we got nothing. But with that, we've got everything. Nothing else in the history of all humanity has ever had the staying power of the cross of Jesus Christ. The cross has transcended monarchies, family monarchies, empires, economic systems, pandemics, black plagues, world wars, civil wars, revolutionary wars, poverty, wealth. Nothing ever in the history of humanity for the last two millennia has had the staying power of the cross of Christ and the community of the church of Jesus Christ. Whether it's a church gathered in a little town with Christians who are afraid they're going to be drug out and killed, or huge, beautiful Western churches built to the glory of God. Nothing has the staying power of the cross of Jesus Christ and the community that God builds in and through us. Two millennia back and five millennia on top of that, Abraham, Isaac, Jacob. Follow Jesus, invest your life in faith in the Lord, and the staying power of that and the strength of that is transformational for you, for me, for our children, and ultimately for the culture that we infect with the gospel of Jesus Christ. The cross, the cross provides for us a peaceful connection to God Anything in our lives, any sin, any brokenness, any victimization, anything that, that, that would seek to either disconnect us from God or say to us, you can't be so close to God, any of that finds its reckoning at the cross. 
God beholds us and watches us in His mercy and in His grace, removing our sins and redeeming and claiming our lives. That's what the cross is for. That's why when you wear a cross, you're reminded of how deeply connected you are to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's more than a piece of jewelry, a tattoo, a piercing. It's more than architecture. It's the sign that we have peace with God and that our Lord Jesus gave himself on that cross for us as the fourth grader shared with us this morning. And that's what it's all about. And because we have peace with God, we got peace with one another. We have a big community. This is a big church. A church in Corinth probably wasn't any more than 200 people. This Sunday we'll have a thousand in worship tomorrow morning when we have school and preschool and all of those things. We'll have a thousand people on our campus. And it's easy to be moved away from the mission. But because we have faith in Jesus Christ and are knit together in that cross, we have more in common in Christ than anything that would separate and divide us. No matter what the root cause of division is, humanity is united through faith in Jesus and His death on the cross for us. We find connection to one another. It's one of the most beautiful things about our church is the community that we have through faith in Jesus Christ. I love when new families come in and they say, well, I, I, I'm doing your new member class. They'll do it tonight. We're doing the new member class, but we're already connected a thousand different ways. Well, what? Well, we were in the lime room for preschool when Junior was in. You're like, seriously? Oh, yeah. We go to the river and we hang out and we go and we play soccer and softball. We do, we do all these things with our people from St. John's. Seriously? Oh, yeah. We're just taking the class to figure out what you believe. Okay, good. Uh, you, you'll get a lot of that. But that community, the community that we share, doesn't just last a generation, but in a congregation in the body of Christ like ours, it's lasted for over 141 years. Staying power. Staying power. Now, I know that my family is probably, probably the only family that has any conflict in it. <laughs> It's okay to laugh at that. So sometimes it's not easy being family. Sometimes it's hard. The family I grew up with, we, 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 we did our like problems, but we did it like right away. We did not harbor a lot of anger forever. Like if my brother and I got in trouble, we got in trouble, we got caught, we got busted, we got punished, and then we were set free in probably like 15 minutes, Right? After the sting of the discipline was received, we, we had tender moments. I was raised with lots of affection, lots of hugs, lots of love, lots of affirmation. My father, like me, was just filled with, with that. And part of it with my dad is he wasn't raised with any of that. My dad was an all-state football player in Wisconsin. He had a full ride to Valparaiso to play football. And his father, Pastor Hubert Emil Klinkenberg, never came once to one of my father's ball games. And my father resolved when he was a young man that he would support and love his children and his wife in a way that he had never experienced in his home. So I was raised with tons of love and tons of affirmation like you have in 
in your homes, right? The goal is always to be a better parent, husband, spouse than the generation that was before us. So Paul gets on them in 1 Corinthians. He's like, come on, man, you got division, you got immorality, you got all this stuff. Just come on, get over it, go back to Jesus. So it's like they had a church council meeting and said, well, I guess it's time we get back to Jesus. So they get back to Jesus. They fix all this stuff. So Paul gets word back that they fixed all this stuff. And, and it's almost like he pulled up his MacBook Pro and said, look at this. This is fabulous. We had the repentance. We had the discipline. We had the, and now look at you, your lives, your church. Everything is so cool. This is fabulous. So he writes 2 Corinthians. And 2 Corinthians is filled with beautiful, pastoral, encouraging stuff. And instead of me preach for another 20 minutes on that, and I've got stories that are just phenomenal about 2 Corinthians chapter 4, but you can read them in the Bible study I wrote for this week. I'd like you, dear beautiful fourth graders, to share some pieces of 2 Corinthians 4 for your parents this morning. Can you see that okay? Yeah, it's okay? Okay. Let's read that together. This is 2 Corinthians 4, 16 through 18. Start with therefore. Can you read with me? Therefore, we do not lose heart, though outwardly we are wasting away, yet inwardly we are being renewed day by day, for our light and momentary troubles are achieving for us an eternal glory that far outweighs them all. So, we fix our eyes not on what is seen, but on what is unseen, since what is seen is temporary, but what is unseen is, yeah. We do not lose heart. We do not give up. We do not cave in. We don't look and say, well, it's getting hard, so let's quit. We do not lose heart. Rather, through faith in Jesus Christ, we rise up. And we get after the ministry of being moms and dads and children and grandparents and all those things in the families that God has given to us in the place that we live here. So we fix our eyes not just on what is seen and what we can possess, but on the things of the heart as well. You got another one in you? Can you read another one? How about this one? 2 Corinthians 5, 14 and 15. This is a great one. Ready? One, two, three. For Christ's love compels us because we are convinced that one died for all and therefore all died. And he died for all that those who live should no longer live for themselves but for him who died for them and was raised again. Who's the him who died for them? Jesus, right on, right? Duh! Jesus! The love of Christ compels us. The love of Christ compels us. What does it compel us to do? To live a life that's bigger than just here and now. To live a life that's focused on something bigger than me. He died for all that all who live should no longer live for themselves, but for him who died for them and was raised again. Paul with his arms around the Corinthians saying, I whipped you and beat you up pretty bad, but you know what? The love of Christ compels us to love and care for each other. Ugh! Got another one in you? Oh, here we go. 2 Corinthians 9. The church in Jerusalem was having a tough time. They were out of money. The Jewish 
rulers in the synagogues were putting it on, the Christians there. There's all sorts of things going on. And so St. Paul says to the Corinthians, hey, you got some dough, why don't you help the people in Jerusalem? And they passed the plate, and they just blew the doors off in their generosity. So can we read this one? You got it in you? No? You're tired? Me too. We'll get a donut in about 10 minutes. It'll be great. Yeah, donuts, for real. They're right out here. I saw them. Ready? Three, two, one. Remember this, whoever sows sparingly will also reap sparingly, and whoever sows generously will also reap generously. Each of you should give what you have decided in your heart to give, not reluctantly or under compulsion, for God loves a cheerful giver, and God is able to bless you abundantly, so that in all things, at all times, having all that you need, you will abound in Every good word. The beauty of being connected in community and being generous in that. And I think I've got two more. I'll read this of myself. Paul, who was tough, right? But he said to me, that's the Spirit of God, said to Paul, my grace is sufficient for you, for my power is made perfect in my weakness. Therefore, I will boast all the more gladly about my weaknesses so that Christ's power may rest on me. That is why, for Christ's sake, I delight in weaknesses, in insults, in hardships, in persecutions, in difficulties. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Strong. Because I'm tied to Christ. And then this parting piece, a good way to end a message and a good way to leave a marvelous deposit of good news in your heart this morning. Finally, brothers and sisters, rejoice. Strive for full restoration. Encourage one another. Be of one mind. Live in peace. And the God of love and peace will be with you. No church is perfect. No organization this side of heaven has it all perfectly together. But the church of Jesus Christ, the church of Jesus Christ is rooted and centered on the cross. Okay, you ready? Now, I don't want any whispering on this. When I put this word up, I want you to say it as loudly as you can. I want you to wake up anyone who's watching fantasy football on their phone this morning. <laughs> like, I don't know, right? Okay, ready? You ready? You awake? You ready? Three, two, one. Oh, that was weak. Come on, we can do better than that. One, two, three. <laughs> join me, join me in prayer. Thank you, Lord, for a joyful morning. I thank you for little voices, little people, for moms and dads and grandmas and grandpas, and for all of us being united in the cross of Christ. Thank you for what we hold in common. Thank you for what makes us diverse. And thanks for tying that all together in Jesus. We pray that you would walk with us and bless us in our homes and in our families. And that we would find great joy and great grace in following you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.